You are now listening to Millennial Renaissance Radio. episode of Millennial Renaissance Radio. This episode is brought to you by Savage Coast, which is now One Coast. You can find them at One Coast Official on Instagram and onecoastofficial.com online. The original foundation, now the company itself, embodies a mission to create a global network committed to saving our oceans through sustainable apparel and innovative initiatives. One Coast, sustainability, design, innovation. This week, I sit down with my friend Tina, who works in the sex wellness industry. Sex education is a heated topic, no pun intended. So I wanted to talk to Tina about her views on the issue. Sex and love are massive parts of our lives as human beings, yet they are hardly addressed in educational circles. Talking about sex, especially with parents and teachers, is super awkward but the alternative can be quite costly. Whether it's an STD or an unplanned pregnancy, sex can go from fun to scary pretty quickly, which is why I thought this was an important topic to cover. So sit back, light a candle, and let's talk about some good old fashioned loving. Uh, Tina, thank you for joining me for, for this interview. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Great. Super excited. Yeah, me too. Uh, this is um, this is going to be uh, an interview about um, sex education as well as uh, your work, I guess, in, uh, we call it the sex industry? The sex wellness industry. The sex wellness. Say, yeah, absolutely. The sex, sex wellness industry. Okay. So um, I wanted to start, uh, I guess I wanted to start off the interview with, um, I'd like to hear your thoughts on sex education uh, in the 21st century in schools um, and just with with kids in general these days? Well, we definitely have come a long way. Okay. I'm lying. <laughs> there is really no sexual education in school. Um, I remember in high school, like a long time ago, we did the banana thing. What's the banana thing? The condom. Roll it down the banana. Okay, gotcha. Right. That's pretty much the extent of our education right. in terms of sexual education. Obviously, I didn't learn that because I had three kids. <laughs> you you had kids young. I did. Started in high school at wow. 17. And do you think that, that was because of a lack of sex education? Huge lack of sexual education. Um, being able to openly talk to your parents, to, you know to friends, to just anyone, because mm-hmm. it's very taboo to speak or to even talk about sex. Right. And um, it's I was looking up, like, sex education laws um, online before our interview, and it's really interesting because there's, it's kind of like s- schools curriculum are kind of like one foot, foot in, one foot out. Mm-hmm. Like, some of them require uh, parents to, like, sign off on the students to to take part in sex education, mm-hmm. 
But then, like you said, also it's kind of a, a, a tough conversation for kids to have with their parents. Like, my sex talk with my dad was, like, <laughs> it was, like, five seconds in the car and, like, very awkward and, like, <laughs> And it's awkward for everyone, but nice. I think it's, um, I don't know, it's like both parties involved, both parents and schools, it seems like, uh, are kind of shy away from the issue. But, you know, if if it's if it's a conversation that we're not having, then there are serious right. consequences. Absolutely. That's why we have STDs. Right. We have teenage pregnancies, you know, and it's just because... We're not, we're not talking about it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, knowledge is power. Right. And if we're comfortable enough to, like, explore and to talk about it and knowing, like, what the consequences may be having unprotect, unprotected sex, mm-hmm. we wouldn't be having so many damn diseases. Right. And we wouldn't be having pregnancies or kids having babies because they just don't know. Mm-hmm. And they just, they're uncomfortable. Like, I didn't tell my parents I was pregnant mm-hmm. until I was nine months pregnant. Wow. Like two weeks before I had my daughter. Wow. Crazy. That is crazy. Super crazy. Yeah. Never had a talk with them too about sex. Never. They never just, I, it's just, I don't know. It's sad. That's why I do what I do because I want, I want people to be open, to be comfortable, to be able to speak about things that they're curious about. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've had conversations with my youngest and though it drives me a little crazy inside. Mm-hmm. Having I'm those conversations, happy. yeah. Yeah, I'm super happy that we're having these conversations because he's more aware mm-hmm. of himself now. And he's just like, he told me one time, I hope he's not watching, but he was like, <laughs> Mom, I don't have a, a girlfriend. And I, he's like, I don't want to have a girlfriend. I said, why? He goes, because I might get her pregnant. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, thank you for sharing, but you can always wear a condom. Mm-hmm. So he's just like, yeah, you're right. Like, what did I just put myself into? <laughs> what did I just do? But I'm okay with that. Right. I really am. Yeah. Things sucks. It's very healthy. Mm-hmm. It makes us happy. Yeah, it does. Uh, it does. And it <laughs> well, and so um, could you could you describe uh, what what you do for for work in the sex wellness industry? Definitely. So basically what I do is I do what's called like in-home parties. Mm-hmm. I bring the store to the ladies. Mm-hmm. We do not provide a service or well, provide parties for men. Okay. And definitely people who are 18 and below cannot be there. Okay. So it's geared more towards women because we ourselves, we really don't know about our sexual wellness. Mm-hmm. That's not really talked about. We walk into these adult stores and the majority of the products are more geared towards men. Lubrications, the lubricants, mm-hmm. more geared towards the men, but okay. not for us women. So what I do is I come in and I share our products. We talk about what goes on with our sexual anatomy downstairs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we have questions about certain things on how to enhance your life or your relationship with your partner or yourself, we're here to answer those questions. Mm. So it's, um, so making sure it's, so it's more female focused also, I, I would imagine doing these parties in the home as well create, creates a, a degree of comfort that's. Um, yeah, security and comfort for yeah. sure. Because they don't have any guys like coming out of those little booths like, oh, there's a chicken here, like, oh, yeah. she's cute. <laughs> they don't have to worry about that. Yeah. So they're in the comfort of their home and they're surrounded by other women who have very similar concerns or questions. Mm. And so, and through your experience, um, 
doing this work, like how do you think we could do a, a better job in terms of um, sex education uh, across the board, whether, whether it's in school or, or outside of school? Gosh, like seriously having a curriculum in regards to sexual education. Okay. Um, I definitely feel that it could start in high school because that's where we start blossoming into an adult. Mm -hmm. We have more thoughts of sex. Mm -hmm. And if we were just, if we were able to just, this is what goes on with the male sexual anatomy. This is what goes on with the female sexual anatomy. This is what, this what can happen. This is what can happen with you. If we learn and discuss and talk more about that, mm -hmm. I think that would just, it would just make it a better world, yeah. honestly. Yeah, I think, and also, like, feeling, feeling the comfort to have those conversations, I think, is a big thing, too. Like, even, uh, I don't know, it's like, you don't, sex is, sex is taboo in, in, in a lot of circles. Like, I mean, we, we're able to have this conversation openly, uh, but... Um, you know, even in the 21st century, it's taboo for a lot of people. And to think of what it was like, you know, 10 or 20 years ago, it mm -hmm. was even more so, more even more taboo. But we have, society has all these, it's uh, it's just, when it comes to sex, especially in the United States, yes. we're all over the place, you know? Yes. It's like... Yes, it's crazy. It's crazy. Because Europe is more free. Right. There's countries that are more free in terms of sexuality. I mean... Look at India. They had a whole book, the Kama Sutra, mm -hmm. about sexuality. I'm like, wow, those are some really happy people. I wonder they're <laughs> always dancing. They're always happy. Well, having a lot of kids over there, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're spreading love. What can yeah, I say? Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I think it's, I just, I think it's fascinating because, you know, on, uh, I think sex is a very healthy thing. But then it can become unhealthy by it became can become unhealthy by I think by viewing it as an unhealthy thing though you know what I mean like that's kind of uh, I guess we don't always we as humans we're we're always thinking about sex right. you know right. men and women and uh, I think that a lot of times we don't acknowledge that mm -hmm. um, and and then you know, that society has certain expectations um, uh, about, like, you know, monogamy, for an example, right. for example, you know, and, and not that I'm, um, you know, for or against, uh, I, I'm not going to make a case for or against monogamy, but it's just kind of like one's feelings, you know what I mean? Right. It's like there's this, this expectation that, you know, if, if you find a, you need to find a person that you spend the entire, the rest of your life with. And, and that's a, that's a pretty, that, that's a pretty crazy thing. And a lot of people do, I mean, some people do find that person, mm -hmm. but a lot of people think that they do and don't. Mm -hmm. And then they're in a tough position because they were pressured into having to make that commitment when it was, if you just, I feel like just loving that person, you know, and, I guess until the love runs out, I don't know. You know, it's, I don't. It's so true, though. Yeah, it really is. Like a monogamy, um, it's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, you know, I'm in a monogamous relationship. Yeah, um, and it's by my choice. Right. You know, there was a time where you know I wasn't not so monogamous, mm -hmm. but I think it was because um, 
kind of like we're penguins too because I find that one partner and I think as humans we have always been taught that we have this one partner there's Adam and then there's Eve right. and they were made to be together there was no Eve and Vanessa mm-hmm. you know it wasn't that but I don't believe in that I think that we have like this this huge amount of crazy love that we share amongst everybody and if they're if you have a partner who's very open of you having multiple partners, then hey, go right ahead and spread that love. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just feel like it's a choice. Yeah. It's definitely a choice, but it's it's also a hard choice too because you don't know if you're making the right one. Right. So you do kind of get stuck with the same person. You're like, damn. Like, I did love him. Yeah. But now I'm bound to this person. Yeah. And well, bind it. Yeah, and, you know, relationships have, have ups and downs, and um, and, and I think that all ties into something that that I've thought about a lot, that I, I, I'm curious, like, love education is mm-hmm. something that I've thought about, because, yes. so, right, sex education we have in schools, um, and, you know, we've already talked about how that's kind of mediocre, but love education is something that doesn't exist really anywhere, and, and some of the most pivotal, or I... Some of the most pivotal moments for me have been um, through love, like loving another person. My, either my experiences with them, like our, our, our like breakups, um, and no one taught me about that stuff. Yeah. And like <laughs> now, I'm like, in some cases, like love. You know, my experiences through love are dictating the way I make decisions in in life more than a lot of other experiences. You oh, know. Yeah. Well, definitely, like, love overtakes our thoughts, mm. for sure. Like, our heart and our mind, they're constantly at each other's throats because our heart wants to the love. Mm-hmm. Our, heart, our heart wants to, to partner up. Mm-hmm. But then our mind is like, well, this person ain't, is not that great. Mm-hmm. I have some reservations about this person. I don't right. know. But then your heart's like, but so what? You have an attraction. Mm-hmm. This could be something. Mm-hmm. So we're they're constantly fighting unless you meet that right person where they're both in sync. Mm-hmm. But no one taught us about love. Yeah. We, we had to go through our own experiences to learn about love. So, like, even for me as a parent, I have faulted or done my kids wrong by not discussing, like, hey, through life, you're going to love multiple times. Mm-hmm. And even though you're in high school and you feel like this is the greatest love of your life, this might possibly not be the greatest love. <laughs> there's of your a, life. there's this possibility. There's a huge possibility. <laughs> you know, because with my um, daughter, you know, her her father, I thought he was like going to be the greatest love of my life. Yeah. But as we grow, we evolve. Mm-hmm. And we evolve spiritually, and we evolve into somebody else. Mm-hmm. We're no longer the same person who we were ten years ago. Yeah. True. So. Just knowing that, and just knowing, you know, there's a possibility that we might outgrow each other. I think if we have an understanding of that, I think we wouldn't be as hurt mm. so much. Yeah. I, I think so, too. I, it's, uh, it, it's, on one hand, I, love is such a tricky thing where it's like, you can, I think in some ways it's one of those things that you can only learn about through your, through your own experiences, mm-hmm. but at the same time, talking about it, um... It, it is helpful to kind of understand. It's like, oh, I, 
you know, I feel like music, honestly, is the biggest yes. <laughs> love educator, you know, because yes. that's what inspires so many, so many songs. And so when yes. you listen to the lyrics of people talking about, you know, breakups and things like that, and then you kind of go through some, you're like, oh, that's what they were talking right. about, you know, right. like, oh, okay, got it. That's really good. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Or just the way that they play. Mm-hmm. You know, you can feel their experiences um, that they're going through in regards to like somebody who fell in love mm-hmm. and then somebody who fell out of love or somebody who was hurt like I hate to bring this up but Justin Timberlake <laughs> I hate it you're, you're not a Timberlake fan? no okay mm, I, he's cool okay he's alright uh-huh. his videos are cool yeah I think he is talented um I just think that there are a lot more talented artists out there okay. that don't have the light shed on them Okay. because he done took it all. But what, what's your love example with him? Cry Me a River. Oh, so right. I, I believe that was the time where he broke up with Britney Spears. Mm-hmm. And it was just like a very deep song. And at that time, I was going through something very similar. And I'm like, dang, Justin is speaking for me. Mm-hmm. Or Mary J. Blige, where she's talking about heartbreak. They're like speaking for me. I'm like, this is exactly how I feel. Like, I understand now. Mm. I understand what people were talking about back in the day. Yeah. Well, and there's uh, Lauren Hill's album, Miseducation of Lauren Hill. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like these, she has a couple like interludes in between yes. the songs. You mm-hmm. know what I'm talking about? And I forget the poet's name, but basically he has a, he has a classroom full of kids. Right. And he's talking about love with them. And right. it's really fascinating. Um and he's kind of like, he pokes fun at it, at it a little bit, but just, I don't know, the, the conversation that comes from these kids talking about, you know, their perceptions of love, mm-hmm. it's a conversation that I, I haven't heard, you know, anywhere else, um, That and I thought it was really cool that she did in there, and I think it's so important, because, like I said, you know, it's, um, uh, my experiences in love have just been, you know, big pieces of my life, you know, it, it hasn't, I guess romantic love, I guess, mm-hmm. you know. Um, there's a lot of different kinds of love. But, I don't know, love in general, I mean, it's it's everything. I love love in general. <laughs> yeah. I, I think I'm just, like, somebody had told me, like, you don't love me. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. They're like, no, you're in love with the thought of being in love with me. Mm-hmm. And then I thought about it, I'm like, that was, like, the most profound thing anyone could ever say to me. Because I was in love with the thought of just loving. Right. I wasn't actually loving the person. I just was like, oh, my God, I have, like, this one little speck of attraction, and, like, I'm digging this person. Oh, my God, I love him. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, oh, my God. That's what love is. They're like, no, that's not what love is. Mm-hmm. You want to be cheating on me? I'm like, oh, <laughs> right. <laughs> Oops. I hope he's not watching. <laughs> it, I, don't, I don't think he is. <laughs> uh... uh yeah, well, that's that's interesting, and I think you can just it's I don't know, I think you can get so so deep on that one because it's just I don't know it's something that we all have in common as humans, and it's something that is just so prominent in our existence. Yes. You know, like wanting to be loved, wanting to love someone else, um, love for a pet, love for love for family, love for friends. Like it's, I mean, it's it really is kind of what binds together all of these, all of our, I think our best experiences mm-hmm. or our most meaningful ones. Right. Um, but it's, 
yet it exists in between the lines mm-hmm. of, you know, what is written, you know? Right. We don't have, we don't, there's, there's nothing in the Constitution about love, you know? No. There's uh, textbooks, uh, I mean, I can't speak for all of them, but you know, I never read about love in, in school, you know? And um, I think it's, it's just, it's, it's this, such a powerful force yet it's only expressed and specifically addressed, I, I feel like, in art forms or, right. or in, in ambiguity rather right. than, you know, a full recogn- recognition in, in societal right. standards, you know? That is so true. I, and, like, as you were talking, I was thinking, like, I wonder if love is actually, like, a self-taught, like, characteristic of us. Mm-hmm. Like we we've only known we've known love since the beginning of time because the book that we base the you know I guess our lives the the Bible mm-hmm. I guess speaks about love mm. but I wonder Ooh, like yeah right I wonder if there was just no talk of love and like as a child you grow up and no one's talking about love would you then feel the love for somebody else or would you feel that emotion, because it, I feel like it is a very self-taught. Mm. Because you know we do we watch movies and we watch romantic movies. Mm-hmm. You know we listen to oh sorry we sorry. listen to songs about love. Uh-huh. So I think it's like it it's molded into us. Yeah, yeah. And uh, growing up, uh, my family we didn't really talk about love. You know it wasn't really a thing. Like we also weren't like weren't even very like. I guess, physical and, like, embracing and stuff like that. Um, uh, Not that there was a lot of, there was a lot of love in in my family. It just, it wasn't, like, I feel like when I was out and experiencing it, I was like, oh. Like, I think, yeah, the first time I fell in love, I was like, oh, shit. Like, that's what this is right now. (laughs) It's like, you know, a month later, you're like, oh, uh, like, you know, that's why I've been so happy. Yeah. But then it's also like, oh, was this the best person to be falling in love with? You know, it's like, and so that's, but like you said, I don't know. I think it's, since I moved to California, I, I picked up surfing and I, f- I feel a lot of uh, parallels with it because mm-hmm. it's just like one of those things, like you just, the only way to like learn about, learn about it is to just go out and do it, you know? Right. Like it's just, there, there's just too many, it's just this thing that you just right. got to kind of just go out and do. You just have to. Like, I mean, if you, if you're looking for that partner, it's just something that you just, you just have to go look out for that love. Yeah. Or maybe we just don't need to go look for it and let it find us. Yeah. You know, and I think that's a big misconception too, mm-hmm. is that we're always, we, we feel like we always need to be partnered up with somebody. We feel like we always need to love somebody mm-hmm. and we forget like the one thing that we're supposed to love the most is yourself. Mm-hmm. And so we don't take the time to love ourselves, to even know ourselves. Right. So how do you think you're going to love in a relationship? Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of the blame falls on us because we're not even, we just don't take the time for us anymore. We're just so rushed. Mm-hmm. Everything these days is so rushed now. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. In Monterey, you feel like you're being rushed in Monterey of all places. Yeah. And this is like one of the most chill back places mm-hmm. for me that I've ever been to. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, yo chill yeah you know commentate it down. yeah yeah 
Well, and I, I remember I was talking to somebody about this. I, when I, I lived in Boston for a little while, and at the time I was, I feel like I didn't have a lot of self-love for myself because I, mm-hmm. I had a job that I was not super happy with. Um, and I just wasn't really like, I didn't really feel like I was being myself. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't really, since I didn't really have that self love, I feel like I I also had difficulty finding love in, in that city, you know? But then once I started like loving myself, I was finding a lot more love in others, both like romantically as well as like in my friends too, you know what I mean? It's just, I I found that really interesting. Um, and I think it's, yeah, it's like until you can truly love yourself, it, for who you are and love your, you know, what you bring to the table, exactly. you know, then that's when you will, I think that's when you're kind of like also ready to project that love out to others. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I totally agree with that. Totally, totally agree. Because there was just a lot of relationships where I didn't love myself. Right. And I was like, well, why the hell? Mm-hmm. You're like, why the hell? <laughs> why the hell? But like, I look back. <clears throat> I'm like, I'm really thankful for the relationships that I've been in. Right. Because I wouldn't feel as a, I wouldn't feel as happy as I am now with my current partner. Mm-hmm. You know, I went through all of that stuff, all of that heartbreak, all the experiences with all these different types of relationships, emotions, right, right. emotions, <laughs> experiences. And, yeah, experiences, and uh, I wouldn't appreciate what I have with him, mm-hmm. you know, and I wouldn't appreciate myself and learning to, to love myself through my imperfections mm-hmm. rather than being insecure in a relationship and then your relationship just crumbles. Yeah. So I definitely am a strong believer in self-love and love yourself mm-hmm. first before you can love anyone else because you're just, you're not going to do right by anybody if you are not right by yourself. Mm-hmm. Straight up. Amen. Straight up. Um, Thank you. They clapped for me. <laughs> <laughs> Someone out in the distance out, out in Monterey gave you a standing ovation for that one. Um, what? So then um, switching back to, I guess, your work a little mm-hmm. bit, you know, something that I talk about a lot in this podcast or a, a big reason I made this podcast is connecting people to work that they love. And mm-hmm. it seems like you, you love what you do. I love, love what I do. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of love, and, and and what was it like connecting to that love for this work, and, and why and why do you feel that way about your work? So, um, as I was reflecting during our super blood blue moon, right? Yeah. Um, I was reflecting like what I really want in in my life, and as a little girl, I've always wanted to heal. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want to be a doctor. I don't want to deal with all the blood and guts and all that stuff. But I wanted to heal um, internally for people how, whenever they're insecure, if they're sad, whenever I feel like somebody's upset or sad or depressed, I immediately want to go and hug them or just say, hey, you're a beautiful person. Mm. Know that about yourself. For me, in this business... Um, a lot of us women are very insecure mm-hmm. sexually. Yeah. Because we do not know what's going on in that region. Mm-hmm. We don't know um, how amazing we are and how beautifully we are made down there. Mm-hmm. You know, and then also 
how to reconnect with your partner. I've had women call me crying on the phone saying, you saved my marriage. Or hey, what, what you did, like my boyfriend and I had like the best night and now we're even closer. Mm. That to me is better than me making the money off what I do. For me, replenishing and restoring relationships and then empowering women sexually is my passion. Like, girl, I always tell them, you are going to text me hashtag thank you and then I hashtag you're welcome. <laughs> because we know we barely know anything about ourselves sexually. Mm-hmm. And when I come in, they know so much more. They, like, we'll talk about G-Spot. Really quick. Okay. <clears throat> Let's talk about it. So there is like a little tissue, uh-huh. you know, that we say is, that can give us what is called like a G-spot orgasm. And for us, it is like a very intense form of orgasm. It's very similar to an orgasm for you men. Okay. Right? So this one can like lay us out, put us to sleep, you know. But we don't know about it because it's, it's hard for us to even get there. Okay. So I help guide the women to understand and know, be more self-aware of how they can get there. Mm. So a little tip. Okay. So for you. <laughs> yeah. If you're doing the deed uh-huh. and your partner is like, I feel like I have to pee. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> okay. Keep going. Because even when she says that, she doesn't even know. Uh-huh. She doesn't know that she's about to have that type of orgasm. Okay. So just let her have it mm. and just say, honey, you're not going to pee on me. <laughs> I'm not R. Kelly. Okay. <laughs> I'm not into that. <laughs> but I know what's about to happen. Oh, okay. So only 20% of us women in our lifetime have experienced that. Mm. Means 80% will never. Or in their entire that. lives. In their entire lives. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's so like, that's so sad. Mm. And I convey that to my guest and I'm like, Girls, tonight, I'm going to help you achieve that. Mm. Some might be a little bit harder. Um, some might be just like that. But the fact that you have the knowledge now, you go and get that stuff. <laughs> yeah, go knowledge is it. power. <laughs> knowledge is power. But that's why I love doing that, because mm-hmm. I'm empowering them to know them themselves sexually. Mm-hmm. And then they're happier. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Hey. It releases endorphins. Yeah, of course. Where does okay? So where does the sex swing fit into this? I want to know. I've, I've <laughs> this is a question. I was looking at your website and the products that you <laughs> offer, um, and the sex swing. What what's the deal with the sex swing? Oh gosh, which one? Of <laughs> any of them. Okay, so the, we have one that's called the Frequent Fire uh, Door Swing. Okay. And that's like super fun. Okay. Okay, so you anchor it. On the door. Right. has like a little anchor. You just anchor it. Close the door. So you can, like, it's it's a shame that I don't have it because I can show you the position. <laughs> okay. That would be incredible for, so for this live stream. <laughs> that would be so awesome. Part two. Part two. Okay. I'll bring the products. Okay. But um, for this one, what you're doing is you're, you're incorporating different positions. Mm-hmm. And, excuse me, and different um, ways for a woman to achieve different orgasms because we literally have multiple orgasms Mm -hmm. we don't just have one we have multiple yeah so the swing helps doing that and then it also adds spice and it brings excitement and it just feels so good you can like climb up the wall have your your partner 
up against the wall, mm-hmm. and the girl can get on the swing, walk up the wall, and you can literally be in this type of position. What, like inverted, or what are we talking Yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> you would be <laughs> in like, <laughs> like a, a sideways T's position. So, standing up, and she's leaning back like so. Walking up the wall. Oh, yeah. Oh, on the feet. Oh, okay, gotcha. Oh, oh, wow. And she then, okay, it's, yeah, yeah, okay. What she's then doing is rocking back and forth. Off of the wall. Off of the wall. You don't really have to do much work if you don't want to. You could just... Okay, so it's like it's kind of like, uh, like when the, when the woman's on top, except you're up against the wall. Correct. Correct. Okay, gotcha. All right, that makes and sense. And then you can then, again, you can then be, instead of her facing you, you can have her back. So it's like doggy style in a sense. And she puts her little feet up the wall. Oh, my God. she could do it that way. But, again, it adds a lot of spice and adventure into your sex life. Yeah. And it, it, it's pretty good. It's, it's pretty like sex. It sounds like sex in space. <laughs> it's, yeah. Oh, yeah, sex in space. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But then they have harnesses for the lake, so then you can then put the lady in a position to where her pelvis is tilted up more mm-hmm. to where you can actually achieve... A possible G-spot orgasm. Gotcha. Because you're reaching under and hitting the top of her vagina. Mm. <laughs> gotcha. There we, there we go. Now we know. Knowledge is power. <laughs> and it feels so good. It's, uh, I, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I knew this was good. This is fantastic. Well, we're we're up on thirty minutes. Um, so Tina, I guess this is the last question that that I ask uh, everybody who um, uh, I interview. What's what's been the big, biggest lesson that you've taken away from connecting with work uh, that that you love? Like in terms of a lesson that you could give to people who are looking for. Um, a job that they're passionate about, work that they're passionate about, work that they love, what would be the biggest lesson that you would? Oh, that's a good one. The biggest lesson is just basically if you have a passion for something, Mm -hmm. just do it. Yeah. No matter what. It doesn't... All the money in the world cannot create happiness for you. It's what you love to do creates that happiness. Mm -hmm. So if that's what you love to do, I love sexual wellness. I love introducing products to my customers. I love talking about different ways of achieving maximum pleasure. Mm-hmm. But that's my passion. And, you know, thankfully I do get paid well with it. But if I didn't, I would still be doing it because I love it. I yeah. love connecting with people. So just follow your heart and do what you love, no matter what. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> Amen. It's all about love. All right. Well, thank you, Tina, so much. Thank you. This is super fun. This is great. Yeah, I know. Podcasting. Big thanks to Tina for doing the interview. Uh, You can find her on Instagram at Pure Romance by Tina. And um, from there, you can get her website where she's got all of her fun sex products and everything like that. So check it out. She's awesome. 
Another thank you goes out to Sweezley Mac, who's been providing the beats for this podcast as of late. You can find him on Instagram at Sweezley. That's S-W-E-E-S-L-Y. I'd like to take a moment to address empathy in education. When I look at education, I feel pretty strongly that empathy is the best way to keep students engaged and growing. Good teachers on the front lines exercise this regularly, but I'd say it's too tall of an order for an administrator to be empathetic towards hundreds of kids. Yet, they must make decisions that affect those kids and their teachers across the board regularly. The burden of empathy on an administrator in a school is too large. How can one person know what is best for hundreds of students? Each one of us is so very different, yet in school we are expected to be the same. We are expected to follow the rules instead of our hearts. And we are teased with return on investment that does not exist anymore. Is that empathy? Or is that perpetuation of a vicious cycle? There is a better way to go about this, and we need to create it. So, some food for thought. How can educators empathize with students on a broad scale? How can we guide students and give them security while also giving them the freedom they need to grow into the people that they are? And how can all students of all ages, all backgrounds have access to this experience? I don't have answers yet, but I'm looking for them. So remember, the Renaissance will not be televised, but it will be podcasted.